0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: You know, I I think as Christians, we should look for ways to celebrate God's faithfulness. Uh, We should look for opportunities to celebrate what God has done in our lives, what God has done in our family. I was sitting there meditating on this earlier, and I was like, man, we should have... You know prodigal son parties you know if your kids come back to the lord we should we should throw a party you know i look at that story in the bible the prodigal son came home dad threw a mega party he threw a feast they killed animals they had a barbecue um our kids come back to the lord and we're like all right
0: in today's message pastor bill will share with you about a practice from the old testament that we can apply to our lives today not all of the bible is meant to be taken literally we're no longer under the law of the old testament we're free by grace but there are still many lessons to be learned from the old testament in the old testament the israelites had many holidays that were in remembrance of something amazing that god has done in their lives and we can too celebrate the things god has done for us now here's pastor bill in the book of leviticus chapter 23 for today's edition of a transforming word
1: so Leviticus chapter 23, um, we start looking at some of the different feasts that the children of Israel celebrated. And I want to give a kind of a background on the feast. Um, and I'll say this right up front. You can write it if you take notes that each of the feasts, I believe, have three different meanings or three ways that we'll look at each feast. And um, as we go through them, I'll, I'll look at each of these three. Um, first, each feast meant something to the children of Israel at that time. So each of the feasts that we're going to look at, it meant something for them then. Uh, It had had an immediate application. It was something God was calling them to celebrate or commemorate. So number one, it meant something for them then. Number two, each of the feasts has a prophetic meaning. And by that, I mean that each feast will uh, foreshadow something that's going to be revealed later in Christ. And then number three, Each of the feasts have a meaning for you and I here and now. So it's not that we're just studying something that they did long ago and it doesn't mean anything for us here and now. Each one has meant something for them. It meant something prophetically in terms of what Jesus was going to do at all three of all all seven feasts means something for you and I here and now. So um, in this chapter, there's seven feasts that are looked at. Uh, These are seven things that the Israelites were to celebrate uh, routinely. Most of these were annual. Uh, We'll see that the Sabbath is brought up in the first one. So uh, that was a a weekly routine that they were to be in practice of. And something I thought was interesting is that God wanted them on regular intervals. God said, I want you guys to remember what I did in a celebratory way. Most of these feasts were celebratory. And so sometimes we, you know, people come to the Lord and, and, you know, when we was in the world, we knew how to party. We knew how to celebrate. We knew how to have a good time and, and everything else. And then we come to the Lord and it's like something good happens and it's, it's all subdued and it's like, all right, it was good. Um, as I read this, God is saying, look, I, I want it to be a big deal. Um, I, I want you guys, this is celebratory. I did this for you. I don't want you to forget it. I want you to remember it. The way I'm having you remember it is I'm having you commemorate it with this feast. And it was a big deal. Um, Everybody had to show up. Everybody had to participate. Um, God wanted them to remember these things. So, you know, I I think as Christians, we should look for ways to celebrate God's faithfulness. Uh, We should look for opportunities to celebrate what God has done in our lives, what God has done in our families. Um, I was sitting there meditating on this earlier and I was like, man, we should have, you know, prodigal son parties. You know, your, your kids come back to the Lord. We should we should throw a party. You know, I look at that story in the Bible. The prodigal son came home. Dad threw a mega party. He threw a feast. They killed animals. They had a barbecue. Um, our kids come back to the Lord, and we we're like, all right. And then, and then what? I'm like, we, we gotta, we gotta get down. You know, we gotta celebrate. There to be some worship going. So, just something to consider that God wants us to remember the good things He's done for us. He wants us to commemorate them and to celebrate them. And that's what we're gonna be looking at as we look at all the feasts in Leviticus chapter 23. Um, I will also say this, all the feasts ultimately point to Jesus, as does the majority of your Bible. Just in some way, the feast, the things that they foreshadow all in some way point to Christ. And I'll do my very best to show how that they point to Jesus. Um, the first four feasts were in the springtime. Those are the four we'll cover. The last three happened in the fall. So look at verses one and two, Leviticus 23. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord, which you, procl- which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. Um, I was looking up convocation. Um, it's just a, a it's an assembly, a, a calling together. God said, I want there. I want you guys to have these assemblies. And, and this is the big deal with a with an assembly or a, a convocation. God is saying, I'm the one calling for this. I want everybody to come. Anybody here that's ever thrown a function, thrown an event and you hoped that everybody would come? Um, you know, you threw a party and, and, and just a few people showed up to celebrate your birthday or whatever. God says, when I, I'm calling these feast days, these are holy convocations and I want everybody. I expect everybody. Some of these feasts, you had to travel to a certain location. God said, I at least expect all the males within a certain age to make the travel and get to this place to celebrate or commemorate what I did for you. And so... Um, God said, I, I want full participation. Um, these are holy convocations, which means an assembly or a calling together. And it was God that was calling them together again to remember and to celebrate his faithfulness. And again, most of these were celebratory. Most of these were things that were, you know, there was there was celebration involved. Look at verses three and four. It says six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of, of solemn rest a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And so the first one brought up is the Sabbath. Uh, verse, I'm sorry, verse four. These are the feasts of the Lord, the holy convocation, which you shall proclaim at their anointed time, appointed times. So first we have the Sabbath. Um, God says it's it's a, it's an, a, it's a holy convocation. It's a solemn rest. And this is what it meant for them then. So we have three meanings with each one. What it meant for them then, what it meant prophetically, what it means for us now. What did the Sabbath rest mean for them then? It meant that they could work six days consecutively. and On the seventh day, God said, rest, don't work. That's a set apart day. Set apart for what? Set apart for rest. Set apart for you to not work. Set apart for you to rest, to recuperate, to reflect on my faithfulness, reflect on my goodness. It also was this, you know, it's sometimes in people's minds that, you know, if. I keep going, I'll I'll have more. I'll do, I just want to do more. God said, no, I'm for seven. On the seventh day, stop. I want you to rest. You're going to mess up my picture that I'm paying. I'm making a picture here. So on the seventh day, no matter what, no matter what your finances are looking like, no matter how bad you feel like you need that seventh day of work, um, no matter how you feel, I feel like I could keep going. God said, on the seventh day, I don't care. Rest. Reflect on me. Rest. I want you to take some time out to stop. Um... We know that in the creation, in Genesis 2, uh, verse 2, as, as it recounts the creation story, um, God, you know, God created and they, they created and whatever work it was in creation. I mean, everything we saw, God spoke it into existence. But then it says on the seventh day in Genesis 2, 2, on the seventh day, God rested. Uh, he ended the work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from his work, which he had done. God rested. Um, picture for, for us. Now, God wasn't tired that he rested. Uh, he wasn't like he was wore out, when like after six days of calling things into existence. He said, Whoo, we, we need a break. Um, he wasn't exhausted or anything like that, but God rested on the seventh day. Um, and he says, now I'm commanding the Israelites. What it meant for them. Seventh day, rest. Doesn't matter if you want to or not. Doesn't matter if you feel like you could do more. Doesn't matter if you feel like you need the extra, you're going to rest. Um, in that, there was... In the resting from work, there was the opportunity to stop and reflect. Anybody here that gets going and you just can't ever stop. I've talked to people regularly and you talk to them about the devotional life. It's like, man, I just I just can't find time. And it's just who, you know, and um, and I understand lives get busy and kids and work and this and that. And um, but somewhere, I mean, I don't know that we can afford to get too busy to have time with the Lord. You got to steal time to be with the Lord. You got to steal time to rest in him, to be in his presence. I was speaking to uh, one of our neighbors and I was, me and my my wife's heart went out. We're talking to her and they're not believers, but we're just talking to them and getting to know them and this person works seven days a week and they get a a day off every other month. And I was just like, huh. And it's not a young person. It's not a kid, you know? And I'm like, Man, you know, I'm just, my heart, my, my, as, as, as she spoke those words, me and my wife both looked like those oh, poor woman. You want to just, 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 just pat her back and say, you poor thing, you know, At two different jobs, two different time frames. And then one day every other month off. That's unbelievable to me. I'm like, man, I, I can't even imagine what, that's, what that has to be like. You know, what God commanded for the children of Israel a, a, a day a solemn day, a sacred time of rest. That's what it meant for them then. Prophetically, what's the picture that God is painting? What's, um, what, is, what is established? Because in each of these feasts, there was something God was pointing to. As we come to the New Testament, who is our rest? Do we still practice the Sabbath day like they did? We're not under the law. We're not under the Levitical law. We don't, we don't practice a, we don't have a select day set apart for rest, where we, we, we don't do any labor. We don't do any work. We don't cook. We don't have that in our, our thing. Um, we don't have one day set apart holy to the Lord. Now every day is supposed to be set apart to the Lord. So then what was the picture? Why did God make such a big deal? Why? This is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. So it's in there. In the New Testament, we find out that Jesus is our rest. That what he showed here is that you, you guys work. And under the law, you work, you work, you work. And on the seventh day, you better stop or else you're breaking the law and you're going to mess up your relationship with me. As you come to the New Testament, right, people are working. They've been working for years. The Jews have been working to try to earn a right standing with God. And now Jesus comes and says, hey, guys, if you believe in me, you can you can stop working. You can stop all that you're doing the sacrifices, the, the law, the feast days, the ceremonial washing, the blah, blah, all the stuff that you're doing to try to be right with me. Jesus said, if you just believe in me, you can rest from your labor. You can stop working. I'll be your rest. Um, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. Uh, I want to read a few verses there. So when you get to Hebrews four, say, got it. I'm going to read verses one through 11. I want you just to listen what, what the Lord is saying to them. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us therefore fear. Let us fear. lest least any of you seem to have come short. For indeed, the gospel was preached to, preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And what's happening here is those that wouldn't just believe the simple gospel message and say, yes, Lord, I rest in you. God said they don't get to enter my rest. And so even after Jesus came and died, you had people that were still trying to fulfill the law, still trying to keep the law, um, but they couldn't do it. And he said, man, if you guys would just have believed in me, you could have entered my rest. But because you won't receive me, you don't get to enter my rest. You're working. Imagine this. You guys are working really hard and you still die without me because you can never keep the law. Nobody here has ever kept the law, could keep the law. Um, we're born in sin and iniquity. Verse four now it says, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way and God rested on the 7th day from all his works and again in this place they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains that some must enter it and those to whom it was first preached did not enter it because of disobedience as to the Jews again he designates a certain day saying in David today after such a long time as it has been said today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. This is where we come. So we're not our rest is not a Sabbath day, but it says there does remain a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Least anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And so God says, look, I, I want you guys to enter into my rest. What is his rest? It's believing in Jesus. It's it's believing that Jesus did all the work, that Jesus died for, on the cross, rose from the grave. It, it's coming back again. It's believing in him. I get to enter into that rest. If not, I got to still be working. I had a conversation this week. Uh, interesting. I, it's, it's crazy how I'll be going through something in the word and God will just let me talk to somebody who's who's. Dealing with this, but I, I was I play this game on my phone. It's a quiz game, and I play the Bible part of it. And so I, I be me and my wife play back and forth. I'll play people. You can play random people from around the world. So I'm playing this person, and we you know some people don't let you go. You win, and they like the uh, they want another chance. They want another chance. They want another chance. So we play twelve, thirteen games. One another chance. One another chance. One another chance. And then afterwards, this person says, "Hey, you know." Uh, you really know your word. And I'm like, hey, praise the Lord. You know, God's word is good. And they say, are you Seventh day Adventist? That was the next question. And I was like, so right from the question, I'm like, I, I bet they are. And so I said, no, I, no, I'm not. You know, I'm just a Christian. And they said, what denomination? I said, I'm from a non denomination. I just believe Jesus is God and the Bible is true. And, you know, I'm not even trying to give them anything. I'm with non denomination. I probably didn't know Cabbage Chapel was non denominational. I'm not locked in to any denomination. I don't have to claim, I don't claim Calvary Chapel, I claim Jesus. And I encourage y'all to do the same. So we're not a clique or a sect, we're just Christian anyway. So we go back and forth and they say, um, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just leaving it open. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not asking them, are they? Because I know they are. And they say, so do you celebrate the Sabbath? Uh, and I said, <laughs> here we go, you know? And, and it was just, it's like they couldn't help it. And it reminded me of, in the, in the New Testament, when Jesus, I mean, I just, just this ought to just make your skin go, eh. Jesus himself would walk the earth and the Jews were challenging him about, hey, you, you, you did that on the Sabbath. Did you, did, did, did you do that on the Sabbath? Did you, did y'all eat? Did you make that? On, y'all are breaking Sabbath. And Jesus said, look, man, I made the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not made to control us. I, the Sabbath was made for you. He's I made the Sabbath. I make the rules for the Sabbath. Get off of me. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what Jesus said. man. Get off of me. He didn't keep the Sabbath like they wanted him to. He didn't he didn't keep it to the restrictions that they wanted. He said, you guys have misunderstood the whole thing. So it's amazing that today you got people in New Testament that are like, hey, you got to keep the Sabbath. No, we don't. And it's interesting because it, it ends up building up. Anytime you, 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 you find some part of the law that you keep, but they don't. You know what happens to you? You start feeling a little puffy. A little prideful. We have it and they don't. And I want you to look at this. And this uh, write this in your notes. Colossians chapter 2, um, verses 16 to 23. Colossians 2, 16 to 23. And this is where, you know, we're looking at what it meant prophetically, what it meant for, um, what was the shadow, what was the Sabbath all about? It was a shadow of what Jesus was going to be. That one day a week where they just got to stop and do nothing. And many times what God would do is say, you know what? I'm going to multiply what happens on the fourth, fifth, and sixth day. So when you rest on the Sabbath, you don't, you don't lose anything. And not that you rest a day and you lose out. Um, I would use Chick-fil-A as a great example of that. I don't know if you guys know, but Chick-fil-A is a Christian-based company. And they just shut down on Sundays. And, and they're making more money than people that work seven days a week. They take Sundays off. And they're banging. Their business is booming Sundays off. Sundays... Everybody go to worship, go to church, love the Lord, no, no work on Sunday. You would think a booming business would say, man, we got one extra day a week, we can make that money. They said, no, we're going we're to honor, we're going to take that one day and not do it. And the business is blessed. They haven't lost anything for honoring God that way. But anyway, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 uh, through 23, it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festival or a new moon or Sabbaths which is a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. So think about it. God says that the the Sabbaths are a shadow of what was to come. They were a shadow of the rest that would come in Jesus. He says, but the substance is Christ. And I've used the example before of, you know, my wife went away on a vacation or she went to a women's retreat and I missed her and she was gone. And she came back home and she got to the porch and I opened up the door and I started hugging her shadow. That That's what, that's what, that's what, People today that are still hugging on the Sabbath, that's what that looks like. If I start hugging her, oh, I miss you so much. She's right here, but I'm hugging the shadow. I'm missing the whole thing. And so we don't want to be that. We don't want to miss the point. The point, the substance is Jesus. I need to be hugging on Jesus saying, thank you for the rest. Thank you that I don't have to work to earn salvation, Lord. Thank you that I don't have to earn a good standing with you. Thank you that I can just rest. In the finished work of the cross, I am saved. I am going to heaven. I am washed in the blood of Jesus. Even though I'm what I am, I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm going. I'm, I'm all of that because of what you did for me. Rest in your goodness. I, that just feels better to me. Um, I, and that's, that's what my Bible teaches. So I'm encouraging you guys that you would enter into his rest as well. So what it meant for them then, it meant they had one day a week they couldn't do nothing. What it meant prophetically was that Jesus was coming to become our rest. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That meant something to those Jews. They, they, they understood a lamb and what it meant. He said, this is the lamb that's taken away the sins of the world. He's going to do it for us. And as we follow through our New Testament, we know Jesus said, look, I, I, I've, I've come to become your rest. I want you to enter in to my rest. The finished work of Christ on the cross. That's what he's done for us. So um, we, we want to be careful to enter in to his rest and not be laboring, not be finding some law, some rule to keep. Um, God says, I've, "I've freed you from it." So that's what it meant for them. That's what it meant prophetically. What does it mean for us here and now? That's kind of important. Um, I didn't finish. I'm sorry, I didn't finish the section in Colossians uh, eighteen to twenty three. I'm sorry. It says, "Let no one cheat you uh, regarding um, no one. Let no one cheat you of your reward." This verse eighteen, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding. Intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you die with Christ, the basic principles, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch. Do not taste. Do not handle with all which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And he's saying all those things are just useless. You know, we need to enter into his rest. Um, Jesus is our rest. Now, what does it mean for you and I here and now? And that's the last thing and we'll move on. This is what it means for us now. We we do rest in the finished work of Jesus. And I hope everybody here understands that. I'm not working really hard to win favor with God. You shouldn't be doing anything so God will love you more, so God will accept you. Um, because according to the scriptures, because of what Jesus did, you're believing in that God accepts you. He accepts you with all your flaws. He accepts you with all your shortcomings. He accepts you. He receives you. Um, You didn't come into your walk with the Lord because you were perfect. You won't continue to walk with the Lord because you're perfect. You entered into his rest, his finished work. Now, that shouldn't produce a bunch of carnal, wily, crazy, I'm going to just get busy then Christians. Um, Because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that does what? Brings us to repentance. When I just see like, man, God, you still love me. You still receive me. You still take me. The Bible says we just just meditate. That that it's the goodness of God that brings us to repent. It brings us to the place where we say, Man, I, I just want to honor God with my life. I'm not working for, for favor with God. I already have it, grace. But I want to say thank you. I wanna I want to respond to the goodness, the grace of God. So that's that being said, we enter into his rest. Um, how else does it mean, does it apply to us? I do believe it would be healthy that we took a day, a week, and rested. Um, I do believe that a regular interval of rest is a good thing. Um, because we can get going so much, and this is what happens. We can get going so much that it's all depending on us. It starts to feel like what God was showing them was, look, everything you have comes from me. We're going to see in some of these other feasts. But as you stop, but God, I can't. if I stop, I can't work, I can't do it. God said, like, I don't know. You can't do nothing. You can do nothing for a day. But just rest in me. Um, sometimes we need that just to stop. And I need to take a day to just refresh and be in, be in God's presence and Worship, and, and I know everybody's lives are different and there could be different challenges, but um, I do believe that, that that was a helpful thing. I read this quote uh, concerning this. It says, if, if you burn the candle at both ends, you will shine twice as bright, but for half the time.
0: Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't understand him. He is near and he is for you. His grace is endless and his love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the word on a daily basis. Just visit calvaryenglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, Be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.